I want to talk to you today about the humiliation and the exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are inexhaustible subjects. But I'm going to give you some nails to hang your thoughts on. Uh, I'm going to give you ten things. I wish you'd write them down. Last week I preached this in West Virginia. And uh, Aiden, I mean uh, Asher, my uh, grandson, he, he took the trouble to write these things down. And we rehearsed it on the way home. And so before I get to that, let me quote you a scripture I quote often, and I, this, I think it'll be a help to you. You know, I've quoted lots of times because this is my theme verse for Judy and me of our life together. is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And so how do you stay your mind on God? Uh, and the one way that we can do that is to have some things to hang some thoughts on and do some meditation on. So I'm going to talk, first of all, on the humiliation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you five five things to think about right now. These are kind of logical, so it would be kind of easy to memorize these. And then I'll uh, go ahead and unpack them. First of all is incarnation. Incarnation is the first step in his humiliation. Then the enduring of the contradiction of sinners against himself. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. And then he anticipated his sufferings. That's, that's kind of a new one on me. I hadn't thought about that until recently. He anticipated his sufferings. Then his actual sufferings and his death. Let me repeat those. The incarnation, uh, the, he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. He anticipated his sufferings. He actually suffered and then he died. That's the, that's his, I'm glad we're not going to quit there. I can't wait to get to the exaltation. Okay, let's talk about incarnation. I'm going to give you some scripture. I'm going to use a lot of scripture today. It's amazing. Let's, quote, let's go to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Thy hand was not anything made that was made. That's an amazing verse. And the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten, the Father, full of grace and truth. I kind of think John had an allusion there to the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, he... Peter, James, and John actually got to see the glory of God partially unveiled and it had an amazing effect on their lives. So he, we beheld his glory. He, he probably talked about Peter, James, and John. Uh, so the word became flesh. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Christ a human being. He's, a, he's, more than, he's a God man. That's an amazing thing. We've heard that all of our lives, but that ought to really awe us. I'll give you a few more verses and then talk about the implications of this. Uh, also, in, I love this verse very much over in 2 Corinthians 8 9. Now, I can give a lot of scriptures. I won't for time's sake, but I give a lot of scriptures. And the Bible is filled with this wonderful truth of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Incarnation simply means he became a man, took him in the form of a man. I love it over in 2 Corinthians 8 9. This would be a whole sermon. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he are rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you might be made rich. That's a great sermon. I like to get off. I'm not going to chase down there right now. 
I'll quote it to you again. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he are rich, can't you just meditate a little bit? Yet for your sakes, your sakes, he became poor. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That through his poverty, you might be made rich. Glorious verse. Then uh, one more on this, just quote part of this verse over in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, just the first of uh, many expressions that great is the mystery of godliness, God was manifest in the flesh. Well, we see Jesus Christ walking down the dusty roads of Judea and Galilee as God, man, walking along those paths. Isn't that wonderful? First uh, John even said, I think I'll turn there. I mean, I wasn't going to use this one, but I think I will. Let's look over First John for a moment. Just absolutely amazing. Let me turn there just for a minute. First John. There in chapter 1. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I, you know what? <laughs> well, I can't say, I can't preach four or five sermons. I like to. That which was from the beginning. We have heard. They heard him. They heard that voice. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. That's not a redundant expression. That means we gazed upon him. We gazed on him in wonder. I was even reading this week when they said, What manner of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey his voice. Our hands have handled of the word of life. The life of the manifested, we have seen it, and bear witness and declare unto you and show unto you that eternal life, that eternal life, which is worth the Father, and was manifested unto us. What an amazing truth indeed. Now let me tell you why he became incarnate, and I'm going to go to you some more scripture in a minute for two reasons. I'm going to give you number one, he might save us from our sins. Sin was broken by a human being, and sin had to be paid for by a human being. But we could not pay that, as you know. He paid for the sins of all his children on the cross. And let me just give you some more things. I'm throwing a lot out here. I like to think about both his passive obedience, his active obedience. Make a note of some of this stuff. You've got to let the meditate on. His passive obedience was his death on the cross. He obeyed. He, he, he was obedient to death. He paid for the sins of all of his children. Every sin you've ever committed. If you, you can't face God in peace if you have one sin. And we were born in this world with three strikes against us anyway because we were born in sin. And we don't know how bad our sins are. Uh, they're horrible and terrible. The sick, we're, the, our hearts are safe above all things. and definitely wicked. Who can know it? We don't know how bad we really are in our sinful nature. He paid for every one of those sins. Every one of them was paid for on the cross. But also, that wasn't enough. We also had to obey the law perfectly to get to heaven. We can't do that. So at his active obedience, he actually obeyed for us. One time we had a man named Avion Evans, a man from Wales, who I loved a whole lot, a Presbyterian preacher, came here and we had a little school. I asked him to give a talk to our kids. He said, kids, make like you've got to pass a test. It's the most important test of your life. Everything depends on it. And you've got to make a hundred and you can't do it. He said, what if the, a real smart guy stepped in as a substitute and passed it for you? He said, what the Lord Jesus Christ did, friends, he passed the test for us. So that's why he came to, t- to take upon himself the form of a man that he might obey the law of God and satisfy his justice. And so he came to save us from our sin. But there's another reason he came here also. He came to sympathize with us and comfort us. Hebrews, let's look at that a little bit. Here's one reason he became a human being. I love this. Hebrews 2, 14, 15. 
For as much then as the children, that's us, his children, are protected of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, took part of the same. Through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, to deliver them who through fear of death all their lifetime subject to bondage. So he came, my friend, to sympathize with he, he knows what you're going through. Uh, Hebrews 2.17, let me read that one to you. I got it written down here. I didn't have that. I've got some of you memorized. Hebrews 2.17. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be like unto his brethren, that's us, because he became a human being, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest and things pertaining to God, make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He came here because he understands us, because he's a human being. I don't care what you've ever gone through, Christ has gone through it. You get tired? Well, he was tired in the fourth chapter of, of John. He had to sit down on that well. He, on the cross, he cried out, I thirst. He was asleep. He had to have sleep. Uh, he had people turning against him, as you know. Uh, just think about it. I don't care what you've gone through. Christ can sympathize with you. He's been through it. You know, we, we can usually sympathize with people. If, Like, for instance, we lost a baby one time, you know, back in 1991. So... When people lose a baby, then Judy especially can sympathize with them. And they like to hear her do that because they say, well, you've gone through this. You've got some credibility. Well, my friend, God got total credibility. Anything you've ever suffered, he betrayed by Peter. We could go on and on and on. Just let your mind run. We can spend the rest of the time letting that run. He knows how to sympathize with us. We have not a high priest. Get this. We have not a high priest. We cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's tempted at all points like as we are. You have that sin. Isn't that beautiful? So the double reason for him being coming incarnate to pay for our sins and to sympathize with us. In fact, one time I preached a sermon, a funeral sermon, when David Cokett died, and they asked me to preach the funeral, and I, I just prayed and prayed. God, and laid, the Lord laid on my heart, not the scriptures, even though the song of Bethlehem scriptures, does Jesus care? I had a good time on that funeral because my friend Jesus does care. He's touched the fitting of our infirmities. He's a human being. So normal incarnation, I'm just giving kind of just highlights here. The first step in the humiliation of Jesus Christ was he became incarnate. Now let me get, tell you the, 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 my main text I'm going to use right now. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to quote, if I can, I'll turn to it. It's verses 5 through 11. This is my main text that I'm going to hang all this on. Look not every man on his own things. Every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made him himself of no reputation, took up on him the form of a servant, or made the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, hath given him a name which is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, every tongue should confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, the Lord of God the Father. I'm going to be Dr. Zach right now. Dr. Zach says, you memorize that and take two or three doses every day. He won't help you. You memorize that, folks. He's in the form of God, thought not robbery to the equal God, because he was equal with God. He made himself of no reputation voluntarily, took on him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, all the way to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God, and that's not the end of the story. Aren't you glad? That's the beginning of the story. God also had highly exalted him. Highly exalted him. 
Giving him a name which is above every name. And my friend, that's going to happen someday. As the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, every tongue should confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Now, that's the great, wonderful scripture that summarizes all I'm going to talk about today, both the humiliation and exaltation of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, number two then. Number one now is incarnation. Are you all writing this down, some of you? And maybe hanging some ideas on this? Uh, number two is, he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. I'll read you the text on that. Hebrews 12, 3. For consider him that, in, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, I won't, won't talk about that a lot. You just think about it. I can't talk about all this, uh, everything I'm going to tell you today. He endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. How do you think Christ felt? Perfect man. Even just being on this earth was a trial for him. You know, a, per, a, a person who's decent, like y'all are decent people, you wouldn't want to be around somebody that's cursing carrying on all the time, would you? Somebody just lived a vulgar life and just filthy-minded. You wouldn't want to be around people like that. Well, my friend, in comparison, we're all the way compared to Jesus Christ. Even in the family he was in, Joseph and Mary being wonderful people, they still were sinners. He, and that's, not the mo- that's not really what they're talking about, however, really, though. People, my friend, they, they misunderstood him. Have you ever been misunderstood? They tried to bait him to say words un- uninvitedly. That, that's what they do to Christians today, by the way, when they interview them. They try to get them to say something that they can nail their hide to the wall, what they try to do. He went through all that. They, they accused him of being a wine-bibber and a gluttonous man. Can you imagine that? They, they, uh, they said, you're catching out devils, but the prince of the devils. So that's just a little bit of a sampling. We've got to meditate on that. My friend, you in this world, as a child of God, will endure the contradiction of sinners against yourself. You know what he said over in, well, lots of places. John 15, especially I go to John 17, 14, I think it is. I have given them my word. Now get this now. I want to preach a whole sermon on this one of these days, Lord willing. I've given them my word. The world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. My friend, the world hates God's children. Sometimes they're very polite about it. Sometimes they have to be restrained. The restraints are coming off now. The gloves are coming off, you well know. It's open season on Christians, especially in many countries, being openly persecuted. And it looks like it may be coming here now. So you can understand how he can step out of you you have to endure the contradiction of sinners against yourself. All right, number three. This is one I hadn't thought about until recently. I don't know why I was so dull, but I didn't. As long as I've been preaching, I never thought about this one. Number one now is the incarnation. Steps in his humiliation. Number two, he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. Number three, anticipation of sufferings. Now, look, let's put ourselves in his shoes a little bit. Let's make, let, let's, let's make like you're really sick. you got something bad wrong with you. And you've got to have an operation. It's going to be an incredibly painful operation. The doctor's going to say, man, even morphine won't help this. We're going to put it off a little while because uh, we've got to wait for this thing to get in place. <clears throat> but it's going to be a terrible time. Every day you'd read that. Every moment you'd read that, wouldn't you? You couldn't get off your mind. I remember when Judy has a mammogram I just sit back. We've always got good reports, thank God, but I don't get much rest until we get the good report back. I hope to God she's okay. She has, thank God, been okay. You know what I'm talking about. My brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, this is the time, he's a baby, 
the terrible sufferings he had to undergo as a human being. He dreaded that. He's a God man, but he's a man. He dreaded that. <clears throat> Even old Simeon <coughs> said <coughs> to Mary, excuse me, <coughs> I got a frog in my throat here. Even as old Simeon said, I think it's Simeon or Anna one, said, A sword shall pierce thy heart, talking to Mary. And it did pierce her heart. She had to see him hang on the cross. You think about it now. Part of his sufferings is, part of his humiliation was, he anticipated his sufferings. But he was willing to do it anyway. Isn't that amazing? Let me read you the scripture. This is one place of many. This is Matthew chapter 20, verse 18 and 19. He's talking to his disciples. He knows what's going to happen to him. He knows every minute detail of what's going to happen to him. In fact, my friends, even Psalm 22 begins, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knew from eternity what he had to face. But he was willing to do it. For our sakes, he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. Here's what he says now in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed as a chief priest to the scribes. They shall condemn him to death, shall deliver him to the Gentiles, of those old Romans, to mock and to scourge, that terrible scourge we talk about many times, that horrible scourge that tore his precious body up. He knew that was going to happen to him. He experienced pain, my friend, just like you experienced pain because he was a human being. And to crucify him, and the third day she shall rise again. So part of his, uh, his sufferings, part of his humiliation was, he had to anticipate his sufferings. So here we got three of them now. To hang your mind on, I hope. We have the incarnation. We have the, the, he endured the contradiction of sin against himself, and then he anticipated, anticipated his suffering. Now, number four is sufferings itself. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The sufferings itself. My friend, his sufferings were intense, incredible. We can't imagine what they were. It said over in Hebrews, he being in an agony, prayed the Lord earnestly. He had an agony. In Gethsemane, he had an agony. He prayed three times in Gethsemane. He fell on his face. He prayed so hard. He was under such pressure, my friend. His sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. His sufferings, his horrible sufferings. And that wasn't the worst. The worst was the spiritual sufferings. The spiritual sufferings. As he hung on the cross. And you know, what can I imagine? The agonizing uh, voice. We, I can't imagine what it was like. And he cried out, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Because God Almighty poured his wrath out on his son. You know, I preached a sermon not too long ago on the fierce wrath of God. You remember I talked about that volcano that amazed me over Nicaragua. That lava lake at the bottom. Bubbling, my friend. Burning at night. Smoke coming up. Uh, and, 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 and just bubbling. You can hear it bubbling. That lava lake. 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I can just see angels catching sinners into hell. My friend, we deserve the wrath of God. But oh God, Jesus Christ endured the wrath of God on the cross. He's a lightning rod that took our, he took, uh, he, he took our place there on the cross. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. God's got a horrible wrath. People don't like to preach about that. We've got to if we preach the Bible, don't we? I'm thinking a lot about that now. My brother, you pray, pray for my brother. He's not a believer. I can't save him. God can save him. I pray for him every day. I tell him I'm praying for him. He's going to face eternity one of these days. You're going to face eternity also. And my brothers, we're not covered with the blood of Christ. We're going to face the eternal wrath of God. That's the truth. You can't minimize that. People need to think about that. Because if we do think about that, we'll appreciate even more the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid for us. Oh, my, thank God over there in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. He delivered us from the wrath to come. Someday wrath is coming, my friend. 
someday the people who hate him right now will say, Revelation said they'll cry out to the rocks, cover us up, get in the caves, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, it said in Revelation. I don't dread that because I believe I'm saved. But I still walk walk carefully before my God. I respect my God. I fear my God. And you are too also. Okay, so sufferings. Sufferings. We could talk about that for a long time, couldn't we? And finally his death. That's the final step. He died. He really did die. He died. Through death, he destroyed him. They had the power of death. That is the devil. You remember something I preached to you on Tetelestai? That great word, my friend. It's finished. He said it's finished. And it was finished. The work of redemption was finished. That's why I, I preached it. I'm glad we preached that here at Great Chapel. My friend, his work is finished. There's not a single one for whom he died that he lost. He died for the elect family of God. Not one drop of his blood was shed in vain. He was satisfied when he saw, my friend, that he had what he came to accomplish. My friend, Jesus Christ was a man on a mission. He's a man on a mission. He accomplished his mission, not part of his mission, not a potential. He accomplished his mission, the redemption of all his children. I hope that makes you glad. It all makes you glad. I love to preach to my friend, a successful, totally successful Savior. My pastor that baptized me, Brother E.C. Holder, was an old country boy, but he was a pretty good old preacher. And he said, you know, it said over there in Romans, he's more than a conqueror. He said, what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? He said, it means you win a battle, you don't lose a single soldier. Pretty good commentary. He's as good as John Gill, wasn't he? My friend, I like that, don't y'all? He didn't lose a single one for whom he died, my friend, as he died on the cross. Yes, he died. But in that death, he destroyed the devil. He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. But he really didn't die. Now, let me tell you this. I've mentioned this one time before. This is speculation. But I got a lot of joy thinking about it. You can speculate on some things if you don't go too far about this. Uh, I got to thinking one day. You know, we talk about being a fly on the wall sometime. I want you to be a fly on the wall. Well, I kind of like to be a fly on the wall in the Christ's tomb. Here's what I, I can imagine. I cannot say this in the Bible, but I get joy thinking about this. My Jesus Christ died. He really died. He was dead. He was dead. Just like you're going to die. You can control your death, but he did. Nobody takes my life. I lay my life down. He laid his life down. But here's where the fly of the wall comes in. I can imagine some angels in that tomb. And there's that lifeless body. I got to think about this one day, all of a sudden, his eyes are opening up. I see him breathing. They might not have been that way. But I think about that. I don't want to hit a lie. Hit a lie. Let's go to the other part. Let me give the five again now. I hadn't even touched the surface on this. I preached four or five summers this one time. We could get a lot more details. I hope you'll do some meditating on this. My Christ was humiliated. Humiliated. Like you'll never be humiliated. His he met with his incarnation. His enduring the contradiction of sinners against himself. His anticipation of suffering. His actual sufferings and his death. But now I want to go and talk about something that I like better. I want to talk about his exaltation. His exaltation. Let me quote that scripture to you again from Hebrews. Uh, I mean from uh 
Look from, from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9. 5 through 11. Let's think about that. I want to talk to you again about that. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. To be the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God. Made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant, but made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion of many, humbled himself. Came obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things on earth, things on the earth. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Lord God the Father. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? Well, obviously, what's the first step in his uh, exaltation? It's his resurrection. His resurrection. The key doctrine of Christianity. There's no resurrection, there's no Christianity. Paul said, if he did not raise, our faith is vain. My faith is not vain. He rose from the dead on the third day. My friend, I believe that every fiber of my body, I'm counting on that. I believe that. I believe I've got to get the faith that God gave me. So I believe what the Word of God said about his resurrection. There are a lot of eyewitnesses of that resurrection. Do you think those apostles who all but John died martyrs' deaths would have died that death, my friend, for a fraud? Of course not. You know, you know they, have they ever found the body of Christ? They couldn't find it, could they? They like to find it. There are many tombs of leaders, of Mohammed and other leaders. You can find a tomb. There is no tomb where Jesus Christ is. He rose on the third day from that tomb, my friend. A conqueror over hell, death, and the grave. What a glorious thing that is, the resurrection. And I tell you, the good news for you is, he's the first fruit of them that slept. Because his tomb is empty, someday your tomb will be empty. You kid, you young kid, someday you're going to lose some loved ones. Boys and girls, listen to me a minute. Okay, boys and girls, listen. You'll lose some loved ones someday. You'll probably, mom and dad probably die before you do. I lost my mom when I was 19 years old. I'll never forget sitting out there when we buried her. And my sisters would sit there with me. It's a beautiful afternoon down in Forest Hill Cemetery down in South Memphis. And I'm sitting there and I'm loving my mama so much. But I tell you what, the God came to me. I said, girls, this is going to be a beautiful place someday. People are afraid of cemeteries. I'm not afraid of a cemetery, brother. I'd like to be around one when the resurrection comes. Because I tell you what, those graves are going to pop open there. I said, some of these days, you'll see a mama come out of that tomb, and she's going to be more beautiful than you've ever seen her. The resurrection. I believe fully in the resurrection. Oh, what a time it's going to be. What kind of ills do you have? Well, I don't see good anymore. I don't hear good anymore. My energy is not what it used to be. Don't feel sorry for me now. I'm not dead yet. I can still kick a little bit. But I tell you, I don't like getting old, y'all. Well, you, you just hang around, Laura, if you will. But I tell you, someday my friend, my body will be perfect. I'm telling you, I'm going to have eyesight like I've never even thought about having. I'm going to have ears. You musician, old Jeb, I like this. Jeb, I promise you, I, I can't, this is not Bible, but it's still truth. There'll be octaves down lower and higher than they are now. Music like you never heard before. And you have the ears to enjoy it. I believe that. You talk about, a, I wish I was smarter. I, I wish I was smarter. I really do. My brother's smarter than I am. The Lord's speaking to I made a higher grade than I did on the graduate record exam. A lot smarter than I am. But someday I'm going to be a genius. An absolute genius. You will be too. And my mind won't be clouded with sin either. I've unlimited energy. And I won't be, I won't have a sinful thought. And we'll all love each other perfectly. There'll be no disharmony at all. Perfect unity. We're one with him. That's coming someday. He is the guarantee of that, the resurrection. I believe that with all my heart. Thank God for that. That'll keep you going when no matter what happened to you. It's okay if you are one of his children. I've told you before about my good friend Jim McSwain, a college professor who's retired now. And he told me about his daddy, old John McSwain. Old John and his wife went to the doctor. John was pretty sick. 
And the doctor actually examined him, brought him back to the office and said, Mr. McSwain, I got got bad news to tell you. You got stage four cancer. It's working really fast. And old John began to whimper a little bit. And and his wife said, John, don't worry about that. You know Jesus Christ. That's all that counts. I love that. I preached her funeral, by the way, Mr. McSwain, over 100 years old. She was right about that, brother. If you know Jesus Christ, don't worry about a cotton-picking thing. You're on the way to glory. You, you'll have hard times in this life. You can make it because the end of the story is the glorious end. Because, because of the Son of God, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Resurrection. Well, there's a lot of scripture about the resurrection. Let me give you one of my favorite. Romans 1.4. Romans 1.4. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. That's God talking, brother. God was talking, wasn't he? By the event. Declared to be the Son of God with power. By the resurrection of the dead. God declared him to be the Son of God. That's my son. Look here. Out of the tomb. Out of the tomb. So resurrection. Now, I love all these. How about the ascension? How about the ascension? I love that. He went to heaven. He ascended up into heaven. I love this. I'm going to give you a scripture a lot about this. Now, this is a glorious ascension. This is a glorious ascension. I'll read you a verse that I meant from Colossians to show you how glorious it was. My friend, the Son of God, did, was raised from the dead. He hung around this earth for a little while, about 40 days, to show them, my friend, that he was really the one who had been crucified and risen again. He talked to them quite a bit. Then he ascended up on high. Let me read you this. What a triumphal entry that was. What a triumphal entry that was. We cannot imagine what it was. Heaven was going wild. I guarantee you they're going wild. Those angels were going wild as the Son of God came back to glory as a mighty conquering hero. Hallelujah. All right, let's read that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, and a few verses here. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. He that descended the same also ascended up far above all heavens. He might feel all faith. Brother, he ascended up on high. He ascended up on high. Let me tell you what he did while he was going to heaven. Colossians 2 makes it plain. This is, the spirit world knew what was going on. Satan knew what was going on. We can't see the spirit world. We believe it's there because the Bible teaches it. We can't see it. But I'll tell you what happened in that spirit world that day when Jesus ascended up on high. It's Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Colossians 2 15. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He made an open show. Back in the Roman Empire, when they would conquer an enemy, go to some far-flung place, and they'd bring the captives home. They're humiliated. They're in chains. And the general would be, that's an illusion that Paul's probably making right here. And they're humiliated. They've been defeated. He's the hero bringing these enemies home, defeated. My friend, that's exactly what the Lord did. He set up on heaven. Those demons were made captive, my friend. They were made captive. He made a show of that openly. Let me read that to you again, Colossians 2.15. Having spoiled principalities and powers. That's the spirit world. He made a show of them openly, openly, tromping over them in it. Hallelujah. He ascended up on high. Your brother Zach can't get any better. Well, it, it gets even better. What we got so far? Resurrection and ascension. Hang your hat on that. Hang some thoughts on that. 
when you think the night, you're trying to sleep, think about resurrection and ascension and see if it doesn't do you some good. Dan, hallelujah. Maybe one of my favorites. The coronation. What's a coronation? It's a crowning king of kings and lord of lords. He's crowned king of kings and lord of lords. Let me give you the scripture on that. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. I can get more scriptures. Can you imagine that? That really happened. That really happened. He ascended to heaven. They had crowned king of kings and lord of lords. I'm old enough now. Y'all probably laugh at this. I don't know how I don't know how old we got here or not. Pretty near there. But I, I, I'm so old. I remember the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. How about that? Y'all probably think I'm 100 years old. It wasn't quite that old. It was something else. Man, those little, those little carriages and those little guards and stuff and all that pomp and ceremony. It's amazing. But my friend, that didn't hold a candle to what happened when the Son of God went back to heaven and was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know what angel could do somersaults or not, but they could. They were doing them. They were jumping up and clicking their heads four or five times before it hit the ground. They were going wild. My friend, heaven was celebrating the coronation, the crowning of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little more than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he might, by the grace of God, take death for every man. He is crowned. Let me read you the psalm. This might be a good one for y'all, Roy, or who's going to do it, the last one. You can sing this with gusto. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal God now. Ha! Crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, a remnant weak and small. Have him who saved you by his grace. Crown him Lord of all. Sinners whose, whose love can never forget the wormwood and the gall. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him love, Lord of all. And the one book said Gentiles. I like it better because I'm an old Gentile. I like it. I'm an old Gentile brother. I'm ready to throw my crown before him. But every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Crown him, you martyrs. I bet they'll be glad those who've given their life for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there have been lots of them throughout history, friends. A lot of right now doing that. Crown him, you martyrs of God, who from his altar call. And they are calling on the altar of Revelation and said, Lord, how long do you avenge us? Extol the stem of Jesse's rod and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng where his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song. And we will. And crown him Lord of all. That's going to be fun. We've had some good songs in the Great Chapel, but not like that one. Don't you like it when you feel like just letting it go? I love the songs. I'm not all that great a singer, but I can, with all y'all making all y'all's noise, you can hear my noise. So I can just cut loose and just get, get on it. That's what you ought to be doing. I'm going to tell you a verse you might need. Now, if you need this, take this verse. Do you have a hard time praising God sometimes? i got a verse for you. It's over Psalm 142. Let my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. I want my soul out of jail, brother, that I can give God all the glory I can with a loud voice. It even says uh, over in the last verse of Isaiah 12, Cry out and shout, you inhabitants of Zion. For great is the... Uh, the uh, 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 I can't give the right part of that verse. You just shout. Read it to yourself. I'm going to take time right there. There's a whole lot in the psalm about shouting praise to God. 
We ought to be doing it now. I love our song services. Hope they get even better, don't you? But I'm looking forward to that great, long, eternal song service, my friend, when I'll be praying to him with all my soul. Well, brother, that can't get any better. Well, why not? It's getting good. Why not? Let's keep on going. We got the resurrection. We got the ascension. We got the coronation. Now we have the session at the right hand of God. He's sitting at God's right hand, ruling this world. Oh, ruling this world with all this sin. He's ruling this world. He's got a reason for letting things happen like they have. And someday, my friend, all the wrongs should be made right. And every day shall bow. And it's already quoted to you from that, or read to you from that. He's sitting at God's right hand. Let me read you a scripture too on that. On the day of Pentecost, well, it said over Hebrews 1 3. When he had, when he, Hebrews 1 3, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, some of you people haven't been here before, so I'll just tell you that my people get tired of me telling the same stories, maybe. I guess I, I just still do. But some of you hadn't heard this. I got a friend named Charles Walker who's going to be the Lord, and that's a good old Baptist preacher. And I, one sermon gave me goosebumps. He gave me goosebumps. Old Charles preached on there's a chair in heaven. And here's what his theme was. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there's no chair in the Holy of Holies. Because the work of the priest was never finished. They had the Ark of the Covenant in there. The cherubim and all that. But there's no chair in there because the work hadn't been finished. But brother, now in the heavenly tabernacle, there's a chair in there because the work is finished. It's a throne. When he had by himself purged our sin, sat down, signified his work and completed at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. He's at the session. Now, you know what he's doing up there at that session? I'll read to you what he's doing. Look over at Acts chapter 2. You remember the day of Pentecost? They had a powerful, powerful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You know where that came from? It came from the Lord Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. I'll read to you that. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And he said this in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. This Jesus had got raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which he now see and hear. That's what's going on, he says. Now, that explains what happened on Pentecost. And my friend, every time we have a good service, that's what's happening. Every time God blesses you, that's what's happening. The ascended Christ is blessing you. You believe the Bible? Y'all believe the Bible? Let me have an amen on that. What's wrong with y'all? Well, brother, if you believe the Bible, I've got a scripture for you. You worry about the world today? You get all these conspiracy websites going nuts? Besides, true. Are you going nuts about that? Think about that all the time? i got a scripture for you, if you believe the Bible. He does his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? Psalm 115, verse 3, he has, he, 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 uh, has done whatsoever he has pleased. Psalm 103, verse 19, he has prepared his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all, my friend. He told those Jews, if my kingdom were this world, my servants would fight. And I would have fought, wouldn't you? Peter would have, wouldn't he? Peter had a lot of courage to get that sword out there. He, I know he messed up, but he, he was attacked. Uh, a bunch of guys he attacked it. He knew it was going to be curtain for him. You, you do the same thing. You'd be willing to go down for one like that. But my friend, his kingdom is not this world. He told them, then will my servants fight. They have to fight. He's winning this thing. We're victorious in Jesus Christ. Now, now, the best of all, of course, isn't it? The second coming. He come, that's, oh, let me give you this again. Resurrection, ascension, coronation, session at the right hand of God, second coming. 
I'll read you a scripture. We usually read it at funerals. And it's good to read it at funerals. But we all read it also when we're not having a funeral. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. He's coming again, folks. He coming. I wish you'd hurry up. Don't y'all? I kid people sometimes. Uh, over there <laughs> in Revelation, I kid my preacher friend sometimes. I said, you know what those Greek words mean over there? In Revelation, it means, hurry up, Lord, hurry up. <laughs> That's what it means. It really does mean that. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That's the last prayer of the Bible. Okay, let's read over here. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4. You heard this lots of times at funerals. But it's good to preach when there's not even a funeral going on. But it's great to preach at a funeral of a believer. Okay, let's see here. Let's begin in verse 13. Ready? Y'all heard this before. Let's listen to it again with uh, really alert ears, okay? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which sleep in Jesus, and they are asleep, aren't they? Aren't they? They're dead, but they're asleep, really, aren't they? He came to the letter, so the letter come, come forth. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which sleep in Jesus, you saw not even as others which have no hope. Sure we saw. We all have sorrow. We all grieve and mourn. But not as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Those loved ones of ours who died in Jesus Christ, my friend, he'll bring with him when he comes. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord, and there will be some there, maybe it's our generation, should not prevent or precede them <coughs> which are asleep. Now this is great. I can't imagine this really. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the day Christ shall rise first. What's that going to be like? Well, shout. He's coming. I don't know, I don't know how he's going to do that. I just know he's coming, isn't he? But with a shout. You know, you probably heard this. When he talks, if something happens, he just talks to the letters come forth. He gets a shout and says, what are going to happen? The shout of Trump. The dead of Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together in the clouds to be the Lord's heir. So shall we ever be of the Lord. Ever, ever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. Let me give you one more time to kind of memorize these things, and they're logical, so I hope you'll think about them and hang your mind on these. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ was humiliated incarnation, endured the conflict of stunners, anticipated his sufferings, his actual suffering, and his death. On his... uh, Exaltation. I love it. Don't you like to exalt? Exalt. I like that. His resurrection. His ascension. His coronation. His session at the right hand of God. And his glorious second coming. 